Yeah. That was fun, huh? Uh, it's kind of busting out the family photo album. I just got to say, I am so glad that you are a part of this family. Now I'm going to cry, okay? I, I knew it was coming. But I love you guys, and it has just been an absolute privilege. Hey, um, this is kind of an exciting day. We want to do one more thing that uh, might seem out of place, but it's just so appropriate for us. There's some people that have been with us for a long time, uh, many of them, but we are uh, introducing them as uh, official members today. They have gone through the process, and so if I call your name, your name's on the screen. Why don't you just stand? We're going to have Mark and Joyce Wessenberg, Mark Merling, Curtis and Shonda Davis, Happy Niamka, Brian and Tasha Eckenhoff, Stephen and Alex Meyer, and Justin and Elizabeth Shaminger. They become members in a couple weeks as he gets baptized. Absolutely. We're just excited that you guys are here, so thank you. Thank you for doing this. Uh, God is building his church, isn't he? Isn't it fun to be a part of? And, and so we have uh, looked back now, and uh, we, we've seen what God has done in the last five years, and uh, now it's time to kind of uh, look now and, and look ahead at where we're going. And so in order to do that, would you open your Bibles uh, with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3? 2 Corinthians chapter 3, every Sunday, we better hear those words, right? Let's open our Bibles 2 Corinthians chapter 3. You'll notice that our ushers are coming around. They would love to give you a Bible. If you don't have one, just get their attention. We want you to have a copy of God's Word in front of you. And I just got to say, hey, kiddos, you doing okay? Kids, you doing all right? Are you having fun? We're so glad that you're here. We're just partying today, and you guys are doing a great job. In fact, I know that we are asking a lot of our kids today. So if you are sitting next to one of our kids, would you just give them a big high five and say, you're doing great. We're so glad you guys are here. Just give them a big high five. Uh, we want to get into God's Word today. Here's what's crazy, okay? You ready for this? 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm only going to preach one verse. Um, somebody laughed. I don't, I don't, what, come on, Linda. What? Yeah, um, this is, I'm going to attempt to preach this message in about half the time that I normally take to preach. And all God's people said, yeah, right. So here we are, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, we're at the very last verse. I just want to tell you, we, are, we have been in an incredible season of God's blessing in our church. And if we're honest, if we're just, can we just be honest for a minute? Can we just be honest? When we look back at our story, we think about what we have gone through, all the challenges, all the trials. We shouldn't even be here. And yet here we are. And so the one shining thing, the one thing that is most obvious, I hope that you hear this, it is God is at work in our church. And he's not done. That's the best part. I don't believe for one minute that he is done in our church. He wants to accomplish so much more. So the question is, where are we going? Where, where, where are we going next? Well, you see it right here, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, right at the end of the chapter. Are you there with me? At the very end of the chapter, here's what Paul says. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. That's where we're going, church. Paul says that we are being transformed. That word in the Greek is the word metamorphoomai. It's where we get our English word metamorphosis, okay? It's kind of like a caterpillar that is transformed, that is changed into a, a beautiful butterfly. Something's got to change. What's, what's got to change? Well, it's us. 
We've got to change. And he's specifically talking about believers here. Now, I think God has given us some real clarity for why we are here in Fairfax, why he has planted our church here in Northern Virginia. We've been thinking about the answer. Like, what, what, what is it? Why, why are we here? Well, first, I got to give you the problem. If you're taking notes, you might want to jot this down. Here is the problem. Lives in Northern Virginia need to be transformed. Lives in Northern Virginia need to be transformed. God has placed us in kind of a unique context. We have kind of a crazy community. Would you agree? It's a little bit unique. It's not like other places in the world. And we've been thinking about why God has us here and and what life is like in Northern Virginia. And I know that we've all experienced it and we think about it, you're like, well, you know, everybody's different. There's so much diversity. And I, I get that, but I think that there are probably some shared common experiences that we all have amidst that diversity. So, so if you'll permit me, I, I just want to kind of like state the obvious. You already know these things, but let's just define what life in Northern Virginia is like. It's like this. We are informed. We are informed. We tell people we're from Virginia, but then we always have to like uh, clarify. We're, well, we're from Virginia, but we're actually from Northern Virginia, right? Just outside of DC. We always have to put that clarification in there because the world comes to us and it watches what's happening in our backyard. We're the, we're the only place in the nation where the national news is our local news. And we are smart. We are educated. We have the best schools. We are aware. We are in the know. We are current. We are diverse. And we see a bigger and yet shrinking world. We're informed around here. But we're also impressive. We are impressive. We like telling other people where we're from and what we do. We are no longer shocked when we meet people with prominent and highly influential positions. It's like, okay, like I get that. That's normal around here. We are, we are brave. We are conversant in broken English. We eat food you've never heard of. We are uh, important. We are accomplished. We are proud of our position, our location, and who we know. We're impressive around here. And we're independent. Do you have what it takes to survive DC's culture in the beltway traffic? Because we do, right? We can handle crazy. We can handle crazy schedules. We can handle commutes that would keep others away. Probably not always with a whole lot of patience, but we can handle it. We're, we're tough in this. We are self-reliant, career-driven, strong, determined, and we are proven survivors. And we're also intentional. Don't tell us we can't. We want to make a difference, and we have little doubt that we can change the world. We are driven. We are focused. We are cause-oriented. We are ready for a challenge, and we care about justice and social issues. And we're also isolated. We bump into a lot of people, but very few people actually know us. And and all the diversity that we have, it it really makes it uh, easy to kind of build walls and hard to connect. And we become comfortable in a crowd of diversity while starving for deep community. Welcome to life in Northern Virginia. Fair? You feel that? I got to tell you, we love it here. 
This is an awesome place to live. I am so glad that God brought us here. We love this place. And yet, we often have this love-hate relationship with it as well. And I hear all sorts of people, as soon as you start talking about what life is here, they, they start complaining about the traffic and all of that. We have, our, we have our doubts as to this being the greatest place on earth. We love it, but we also hate it. And, and, and we know that we're on this rat race and that many of our pursuits are really important. But there's also this sinking feeling in most of us that there might be something missing. There is a need for change in lives here in Northern Virginia. There is a need for transformation. And almost everybody can kind of sense it, but we can't always see it. And the problem, if I can just say this, I, I think it actually goes a lot deeper than any of us would ever be able to comprehend or be able to understand. Because even our best pursuits, the things that we love most, about this place are tainted and they are marred by sin. See, the problem that we really have is, is us. I'm a sinner. And, and it, what's worse, I can't change that. I can't change that. This is not just a, uh, make some adjustments and, and be better and try harder. We all know that something's got to change around here. Lives in Northern Virginia need to be transformed. So the question is then, what, what, what's the answer? What could make the difference? And I'm telling you, if we get this, this is a game changer. If we got this, we would have clarity for why God has our church here in Fairfax. Let me give you the answer because we just read it. Here's the answer. Beholding God's glory brings the transformation. When you encounter the glory of God, you will be changed. It's going to happen. And Paul says, uh, look at it, verse 18 again. He says, and we all with unveiled face. Okay, so let's talk about that because that's kind of weird. Okay, so we don't have a lot of veils. We don't do that very often. Maybe you uh, wore a veil at your wedding, ladies, although that's like not a thing anymore apparently. Uh, but um, I'm pretty confident none of the guys have ever worn a veil in here. So, so Paul, what are you talking about? Like, we, we don't wear veils. Why are, okay, so here's what he's doing. He's actually comparing his ministry to the ministry of Moses. Moses, if you will remember, saw the glory of God. In Exodus chapter 33, he said, God, I want to see it. Show me. Show me your glory. And, and I want you to see this, Exodus chapter 34. Here's what happened. Exodus 34 verse 29 says, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, that's the Ten Commandments, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were, it says, afraid to come near him. Ever seen somebody who's like been cooking too long in a tanning bed? We're like, yeah, you, we know where you've been. Like that's the idea here, okay? Like, like we, we know where Moses has been. He's been hanging out with God and spending time in God's presence has lit Moses up. Almost like when the sun reflects off of a car that's driving in front of you. You ever do that? Like you're driving along, it's like, whoa, can't take it anymore. That's what the Israelites were feeling. When they saw the glory, it was too much. It's too much, we can't handle it. As sinful people in the presence of God's glory reflecting off of Moses' face, they're like, we, we, we can't take it. We can't even stand to look at it. And so it says, verse 33, that Moses 
put a veil over his face. So he put something in front of it, and it says whenever he went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out, then he put it back on again. The veil was for their protection because they started realizing this is a God we can't mess with. It'd be almost like uh, this guy who decided to watch the solar eclipse with the welding mask. Did anybody else try this? We have anybody? I feel like that's not a very cheap option. But that's really what, this is, this is what's going on here. We need a little protection from the glory of God. But I just want to tell you what, what Paul is telling us here is that Jesus takes the veil away. Jesus is the one who has, who, he's died for our sins. He's made it so that we can be righteous and stand before God so that we can look. We don't have to avert our eyes. We don't have to cover up. We don't have to be afraid that we're going to burn up in his presence. We can look. We can see. And what does this say, verse 18? We are with all unveiled face, we are beholding the glory of the Lord. We can see God's glory. Hey, church, that's where we're going, okay? We are praying, God, show us your glory. We want to see it. We want to see more of you this year. And this word, uh, beholding, is, is actually a very interesting word. It's actually, the, this is the only time that it's used in the New Testament. It, it, it's not just like looking at something. It has the idea of beholding as in a mirror, or, or the old King James says, beholding as in a glass, meaning you're not looking right at it. And, and, and there's a reason for that, right? I mean, we think about the fact that we've seen the glory of God, and yet none of us have actually seen Jesus face to face yet. That hasn't happened. Do, do you know there's coming a day when you are going to see the face? Do you, do you know that? You're going to see the face of Jesus. Like we often kind of spiritualize it. We don't think about the fact that we're, we're going to look into his eyes. We're going to see his nose and his mouth. We're going to see, we are going to see the face of Jesus. But what Paul is saying is even now, even right now, we can see the glory. We can behold it and we see it in the gospel as we are proclaiming the authority of God's word without apology. As we are lifting high the name of Jesus in unashamed adoration falling on our knees in unceasing prayer and, and sharing this good news of Jesus with boldness as unafraid witnesses. Church, there's nothing holding us back from basking in his presence and beholding the glory of God. Do you want to see it? Do you want to see the glory of God? This is what we are pursuing. This is what we are after. And we wanted to help kind of capture um, this pursuit into an image that we thought would be helpful for you to really catch the vision for where we're going. So I'd ask you just to watch this. outside of the city love that this is here and honestly I'm thinking like we need to do church here sometime this is just awesome and incredible I'm here because I want you to see this is the imagery that I think of when we are saying we want to pursue and encounter the glory of God when we encounter the glory of God it's like standing under a waterfall
So when you come to a place like this, you really want to get as close to the water as possible. And you can get close to the water when it's like this, but you can't see the waterfalls that close. In fact, you'll, you'll notice there are places along the path that have this overlook point, and, and they don't let you stand right under the water. There's a reason for that. If you were trying to stand under the waterfall itself, it's too powerful. It would knock you down. It would be dangerous for you. Well, do you know that God's presence, God's glory is overwhelming? In fact, Moses said, God, show me your glory. And God says to him, well, I'll show you my back, but you can't see my face. No man shall see my face and live. Uh, Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, he, he said, I saw the Lord. But, but as soon as he saw the presence of the Lord, he says, woe is me, for I am lost. I, I, I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. I'm ruined. Then in Matthew chapter 17, when James and John and Peter were up on the mountain and they saw Jesus transfigured in front of them, it says they fell down on their faces and they were terrified. When you're in the presence of a holy, powerful God, His glory is overwhelming. So when we're pursuing the presence of God and we encounter a God who is holy and who is powerful, that is going to affect you. And there may be times when you encounter this God and his glory where you have to get low and we're drawn into repentance. But can I also tell you that God's presence is satisfying. Imagine drinking water from a waterfall. Now, I'm not sure that you want to drink this water, but God's presence, it's refreshing. It is satisfying. David prays in Psalm 16. He says, in your presence, there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Listen to what he says in Psalm 63. He says, oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When we are pursuing the presence of God, there's nothing better than that. When you're drinking that, why would I want anything else? Jesus told the woman at the well, the, when I give him water, they will never thirst again. We want to encounter the presence of God. Overwhelming, yes, but also satisfying. standing under the waterfall of God's glory, it will change you. And then you're going to have a story. You're going to have a story to tell. Look what God did in my life. Look how he transformed my life. What if God wrote 100 stories this year of lives transformed as we pursue the presence of God?
got to be honest, I'm, this like fires me up. This is a vision that gets me out of bed and gets me on my knees because God's going to have to do it. But if we saw God's glory coming down like a waterfall in our church, in our community this year, this is how we'd know. This is how we would measure and celebrate what God is doing. We're going to have stories to tell. You ever listen to someone share their story of uh, how they, their life has been absolutely transformed by this glorious gospel? Have you, have you heard that? This is, this is what he says. Look at it again, verse 18. He says, we all with unfailed face beholding the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into the same image. In Romans chapter 8, verse 29, he says, we're being conformed into the image of his son. Literally, what's going to happen is when you're beholding the glory of God, you are going, people are going to see Jesus reflected in our lives. And he says, from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Man, that's what I've been telling you. We want to be a Holy Spirit church. We are inviting him to come. And this is when his glory comes and the Spirit of God uses his word as we are lifting high the name of Jesus and he transforms us into his image. Right where you're at, wherever you are, he is at work and we're going to have stories to tell. And so we are praying this year. We're praying for 100 stories. Actually, we're praying for at least 100 stories of lives transformed by the glory of God. Is God changing your life? Is he making you more like Jesus? Then guess what? You have a story. I'm telling you, you, you stand under the waterfall of his glory and you will. And we're going to have to start opening our eyes to the stories that are happening all around us. And today might be your story. And I know that like, there's, like, it's, we're, we're kind of tempted to think about what's going on in my life. And well, it's not, my, my story's not all that interesting. It's not all that shocking. It's not all that uh, amazing. But l- listen, listen. If God is changing your life, that's a story worth telling. And we are going to have stories of people's lives who have been changed. You said, I, I, I was at the top of my game. Man, I thought I had everything I wanted. But there's an emptiness inside. But God. I, I, I didn't have any friends. No one knew me. I was miserable in my selfishness. But God. My marriage was a wreck. It was falling. I, I was failing to keep it together. But God. I, I was trapped in my lust. I was trying to hide. But God. I was trying to fight this this guilt and ignore it, but God. I didn't think that I could be used, but God. Man, I was desperate for community. I was just convinced that there was no family that could love me, but God. I was lost with no hope, but God. And I thought about giving up, but God. And we're going to have some incredible stories to tell. Which also means this is kind of a big change for us as a church because we need to become really great storytellers. We are wanting to be able to capture and tell these stories. And I know our, our budget's probably not going to rival Michael Bay, but we've got something really powerful. And there's a lot of ways to tell a story. We, we, we can tell it through blogs and on social media and in videos and, and even in live testimonies as we are gathering together. So I want to tell you just a couple things that have already been underway. Uh, we have recently... Over the summer, we have assembled a storyteller's team. 
We put together a bunch of people. We are trying to unleash our creatives to capture and to share how God is transforming lives here in Northern Virginia. We want to unleash your creativity. And if you have that, if this stirs something in you, say, man, I want to be a part of that. We would love your help. We want to tell these stories and tell it well because we have something incredible to share with the watching world. And this is the way we'll know that God is working. And even today, today you're going to see that we are launching our 100 stories page on our website. That is the place that you can go. You can hear the stories. You can read the stories. You can tell us your story. We want you to check it out. We want you to share it. I know some of you are like, well, what are you looking for in the stories? Well, here it is. Let me just give you the criteria, okay? This is what we're looking for. Number one, God is the hero. And two, your life is changed. God is changing your life. And then three, it's new. Listen, I'm so thankful that God did a work in your life like five years ago. That's a story. You need to share that. But he might be trying to do something new in you right now. And today might be your story. Because as we are gathering together in high-impact worship, I tell you, it's never just another Sunday at Harvest. We come expecting to meet with the great God of the universe. It's his glory that we're going to see when we gather together, lifting high the name of Jesus. And as we gather together in our small groups, that's uncommon community. The world doesn't have that. Our, 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 they're starving for that. We have something they don't have. We, as we gather together in October, we're going to spend the entire month looking at the kind of communities that we are trying to pursue. And as we go, we're a church that goes. We want to go into our neighborhoods. We want to go around the world. We want to share this good news of Jesus with boldness. And as we do, can you just imagine the kind of stories we're going to have? What I'm encouraging you today is this. Plunge in. Plunge in. Let's stand under the waterfall of God's glory and get drenched. We're going to have some incredible stories to tell. Here's what I want to do. I want us to stand and we're going to pray. We're going to ask the Lord now. I want to ask the Lord that he would do it. I know that this might be something that sounds crazy to you. Like, how in the world are we going to have 100 stories? But God can do it, can he? i got to tell you, there are some days I'm like, I'm thinking about this. I'm like, we're going to have this in three months. And then other times I'm like, what in the world are we doing? God's got to do it, and we better pray hard. I want our kids to pray too. Because you guys get this. We want to impact people's lives and I want to I be sensitive to what the Spirit is doing in my own life. That today might be my story. So we're a church that believes firmly in the power of prayer. Would you find just a couple people around you? And let's pray. Let's pray that we would see 100 stories this year of lives transformed by the glory of God. Let's spend a couple minutes praying together.